Good morning. My name is Jeff. I am the young adult pastor here, and I am so honored and privileged to bring the word um, of God to you this morning. Uh, Let me just set up here real quick, and then we can get started. So let me start off by just telling a quick story about a good friend of mine, um, and then we can we can get into scripture and um, the rest of the message. But I have a good friend who is a, just a, a great speaker, not as good as me, but he's actually no, he's actually like way way better, phenomenal speaker. Um, but there was a, a time when he would travel around and he would go to different um, towns and different cities and would you know teach and speak. And um, he made it a point that everywhere he went, he would just be with people. He would meet with people. You know, if people invited him over to their homes to have dinner or to have lunch, he would make sure that he was there and just, you know, kind of hang out to them, get to know them, um, speak truth into their lives. If anyone had a gathering or a party, he would be there. He, he made it a point to be around, in and around people. And um, there was a lady in one of these towns that, you know, really liked what he had to say. So she, she said, I'm going to invite him over to my house, have a, a nice dinner. So invites him over. He accepts the invitation. Um, the day of, she's hard at work. She has so much to do. She's kind of gets kind of stressing out. You know, time is running out on her. Then she hears the knock on the door, goes to the door, sees my friend and, and, and part of his ministry team that would travel with him as well. And says, you know, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm honored. I'm going to show you to the living room. Shows him to the living room. I still have some preparations to do. Just wait here. Um, and I'll let you know when dinner is ready. So they're kind of hanging out here. She goes back to the kitchen. She's hard at work. She just has so much to do. And she's checking on the food. And it's still not ready. She's setting up the table. She's cleaning off the counter. Making sure that everything is perfect. And at this point, she's kind of stressed out. Because not everything is going according to plan. And then she realizes, top it all off, that her sister, who was supposed to be helping her, is no longer in the kitchen with her. So she goes to the other rooms to check where she is. Um, can't find her, and she said, she better not be with the guests, and she goes into the living room, and sure enough, there she is, hanging out with the guest, and and she's sitting right next to my friend, and sit pretty much at his feet, you know, looking straight at him, eyes locked, um, and by this point, they're having a, a pretty deep conversation, all of them, you know, and, and my friend's talking about life, talking about God, talking about, you know, life in the kingdom, and, and, and she's just got this, like, smile on her face, this big, dumb smile that just makes it even more annoying for her sister, who's, like, over here working by herself, and she says, excuse me, sir, but, but don't you care that my sister has left me to do all this work on my own? Tell her to help me. So my friend, he smiles and turns to her and says, Martha, Martha, you're so worried and you're upset about so many things, but only only few things are needed. Actually, actually only one. And then my friend Jesus turns to Mary and says, Mary, she has chosen what is better, and that won't be taken away from her. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you're here right now with us and that you love us. We thank you that you want to speak to us. I ask, Lord, personally that 
everything that comes from me, my own thoughts, my own ideas, that that would be easily and quickly forgotten. But whatever comes from you, whatever you're speaking into our lives, that that would stick, that would stay, and that would grow. Lord, we, we desire you and we want you, and we just ask, Lord, that you would be very present right now. And even as we um, live our day today, we ask this in your name, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. So um, if you haven't heard that story, that's actually in Luke 10, 38 through 42. You can read about it. Um, and we'll come back to that. But I also wanted to read another story from, from a book by Carl Maderas. And what's interesting about this story I'm going to read is that it's actually a story. He's writing about a story that he read in another book. So I'm quoting a, I'm quoting a quote from another book, I guess. So it's kind of like quoteception or like bookception. I don't know. But anyways, because um, I haven't read the actual book where this quote is in, and I should, but I haven't. So I'm just going to read what Carl Maderas has to say about it. Um, so he, he, he starts by saying, I've been reading Donald Miller's Searching for God Knows What. And in his book, he tells a story about one occasion when he was speaking to a class at a Christian college. He stood in front of the group and announced he was going to share the gospel with them, with one difference. He was going to leave out one critical element. He warned them in advance that it was a major part and that he would require them to tell him what it was afterward. He went on to describe the rampant sin that plagued our culture, homosexuality, abortion, drug use, song lyrics on the radio, newspaper headlines, so on and so forth. He said that, according to scripture, the wages of sin is death. And he talked about the way sin separates us from God. Then he went on to describe the beauty of morality. He told stories, citing examples of how righteous living was better. He spoke of the greatness of heaven and described it incomplete with a landscape of spectacular beauty. He talked about teen pregnancy, sexually transmitted diseases, and all the supporting statistics. And finally, he shared the caveat, repentance, how it would make life purposeful, and pure, and full of meaning, going into detail about what it is that they would be saved from if they would only repent, and how their lives could be God-honoring and God-centered. Describing what happened when he finished the lecture, Miller writes, I rested my case and asked the class if they could tell me what it was I had left out of this gospel presentation. He waited for several awkward minutes. Not a single hand raised. No one could identify the missing component of the gospel. As far as the students could tell, Miller had been complete. Closing his case, Miller writes, I presented a gospel to Christian Bible college students and left out Jesus. Nobody noticed. Even when I said I was going to neglect something very important. Even when I asked them to think very hard about what it was. Even when I stood there for several minutes in silence. 
Miller concludes, to a culture that believes that they'd go to heaven based on whether or not they're morally pure or that they understand that some theological ideas or that they are very spiritual, Jesus is completely unnecessary. At best, he's an afterthought, a technicality by which we become morally pure or a subject of which we know or a founding father of our woo-woo spirituality. When I first read this story, um, you know, I thought to myself, that's, that's crazy that these college Bible students just didn't, didn't even notice. But then I thought, well, I was a Christian Bible college student not, not so long ago. Would I have noticed it if I was in that classroom? If, if the gospel was presented to me in that way, would I have picked up on it right away? And to be honest, I don't know. I don't know if I would have noticed that Jesus, because even, even if I, the first time I was reading this, um, I didn't really realize what was missing until Jesus was actually mentioned. And the fact that I don't know, the fact that I, you know, that it wasn't evident at first, kind of, it concerned me. It alerted, it alarmed me because, you know, I was thinking, does that mean that Jesus is not the central part of how I even understand the gospel? I mean, how many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you noticed Jesus was missing before he was actually mentioned? I grew up um, in a very, you know, in a Christian home, very religious. My dad's a pastor, did a, a good job of, I think, uh, of, of raising us. Um, and I, you know, I believed in God, and I went to church, and I read and memorized scripture. I learned to like worship music. I did my best to, to live a moral life. You know, I tried not to sin. And when I did, I made sure I have the, you know, right amount of guilt and shame and repent and you know, all of that stuff. Um, I was in, involved in very in many church activities and in worship and the youth group and in missionary trips and everything that, you know, a regular church or pastor's kid goes to and is involved in because we pretty much do everything. Um, and, and, you know, throughout my life, this concept was always being talked about, you know, having a relationship with God. And it's not about religion it's about relationship but you know i didn't really understand it or comprehend it what it, how do i even have a relationship with god because you know people would say different things at this conference you have to pray more and this camp oh well you have to you have to fast more you have to you, you have to read more scripture or you have to you know not do anything that might upset god because then that relationship is severed and you know i just didn't really comprehend it and then, um, you know, into my teen years, there was a time when I started, I started to question my Christian beliefs. I, being a Christian was all I knew. I didn't really want to stop. But there, you know, Christianity to me at some point just felt like a lot of rules, a lot of, I don't know, just like guidelines and responsibilities. It felt very dogmatic and legalistic. Um, and, um, you know, like going to church and giving 10% and doing service and being moral, thinking right, voting right, witnessing, evangelizing, all of these things that I had to do if I wanted to be a good Christian. Um, and some of them, you know, they made sense. Yeah, okay. And then some of them were just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how this makes sense. But most of them were just hard. Hard to follow. You know, I, I was still very heavily involved in the church and all of his activities. And I, and I loved and I had friends there and it was great. But... 
now looking back, ironically, in my doing and serving, what I was missing the whole time was Jesus. Right? And I mean, I knew about him. Theologically, I had all the components correct. I knew he was God and he became man and he lived a sinless life and he came and died and saved me from my sin so that I would be able to go to heaven. I knew all of that in here. Um, but to be honest, like Jesus was just another component of my Christian belief. He was like a reference point. I saw him as God's part of God's plan to come and save us. Like we screwed up so bad that we needed Jesus to come. That was kind of like my understanding of who he was. Um, and in some ways, I saw, well, Jesus came and, you know, made things easier for us. So we don't have to, like, follow the Levitical laws, rules. Um, and there's just, like, a lot of grace. But then, like, I read Sermon on the Mount, and it's just like, wow, this is really hard, Jesus. What do you, how am I, how do you expect me to do this? I can't do this. Right? So I, I didn't really understand exactly what was the whole deal with Jesus, and why was he so important? Um, and he was always around, you know, someone we talked about. Jesus was someone I prayed to, I worshipped, I sang to. Um, but he wasn't really someone I knew. He wasn't someone I was passionately seeking or really desired to know. But then, but then I started to, to meet people. I started to be surrounded by people who knew him, like, like really knew him, like had a relationship with him, who were like super passionate about him. Um, and then they started to remind me these stories that I had known all my life, but they spoke about them in a way that was just, I don't know, they just brought them to life for me. And I was able to understand it in a completely different new way. And, and they talked about him, like, a lot, like, all the time. And everything they did, like, Jesus would come up. Everything they said, Jesus would come up. Um, and they knew him not as this, like, concept, not as this idea, not as this, like, religion or far-off deity, but they knew Jesus as a person, a person that was, like, here, right now, in the room where we were at, like, hanging out with all of us, speaking to him. And... Um, not only would they speak about him, but they actually tried to live like him. And they were passionate about the things that Jesus was passionate about. And they, you know, they were brokenhearted. And they would mourn and grieve for the things that broke Jesus' heart. And then I looked at their, at their life, and it was just so, I don't know, so, it was just so full. And their relationships were healthy. And, and they lived pure, yeah, and holy and serviceful lives. Not of ob- obligation, but out of like love and gratitude because of that relationship that they had with Jesus. And um, they served each other, not because of what it was expected of them, but because they genuinely cared about people, just like Jesus cared about people. And, and I was drawn to that. I, I wanted that. I craved that because for so long, my beliefs were just so about knowledge, knowing the right thing, but I didn't have that relationship. And I wanted that for me, and, and you know, I wanted my walk to, with Jesus to be this journey with him, real and authentic, not just simple head knowledge, 
not driven by rules, not driven by responsibilities or by shame, because a lot of it was, I feel ashamed, so I'm going to do this. But rather an actual walk where relationship and intimacy grew as I connected deeper and deeper with the person of Jesus. Part of me coming and deciding to stay at this church, in this community, was the fact that Jesus was always so front and center here. In a way that I hadn't experienced before, you know, every time we talked, it was about him. Everything we did revolved around him. And I'm not saying that he's not in other places. He's everywhere. He's so much bigger than a church or a building or even a denomination you know, he, he's Jesus. But, but the way that this community actively and intentionally pursued Jesus and, and just made him the focal point was so attractive to me. And I just hadn't experienced that. It was unique and special. And I, and I, wanted, and I wanted that for me. Um, and then the people around me pointed to him. They didn't point to themselves. They didn't point to a program. They didn't point to anything else. They pointed to Jesus. And that's what drew me here and kept me here. Um, and then soon, I began to know and understand life with Jesus in a very real way. A knowing that comes not from doing, not from knowing about, not from performing. Although those, although those things are not bad, we need those things too, but knowing Jesus comes from sitting at the feet of Jesus, like Mary. Listening to what he really has to say. Not just what others tell him about, you know, tell us about him. It comes from looking at his life. We have the Gospels. And asking him to reveal, how does this apply to me? Like what you said here, how can I take that and live that? What you did there, how can I do that? Like in my own context, in my own family, in my own job, school. It comes from taking time out of our busyness, because we're all very busy. We're doing and we're doing, to actually just being, being with him, getting to know him, just enjoying his company, his presence, learning to hear his voice. When was the last time you heard his voice? Now, I'm not saying like an audible, you know, cloud opening, you know, voice from the sky, Jeffrey, you know, like, like, no, that's not how, at least that's not how I hear him. But just knowing Jesus so well, because you've spent the time in the Gospels reading about him and spend the time to like actually get to know him, that when you, when he uses your emotions, when he uses your feelings, when he uses your thoughts, when he uses other people around you to call you and to speak to you, you right away know that's Jesus. Because it sounds like Jesus, because I, because I know what Jesus is like, so he must be speaking to me right now. Mary and Martha represent two different approaches to the Christian life. Like I said, this, this story of Mary and Martha is found in Luke 10. Um, See, I like Martha because there are things that are very respectable about her, right? She really likes Jesus. She welcomes him into her home. She's a perfectionist, and she wants to make sure that everything is perfect for Jesus because she really wants to honor him. You know, she's doing her best to make sure that he feels welcome, he feels wanted. 
Martha's actively serving Jesus, but ironically, she's missing Jesus in her own home. She's missing Jesus. She is busy in the doing of life. Her life is filled with shoulds and have-tos. She's so busy doing and doing and serving that she's missing out on just being. Her duties have become disconnected from her love for Jesus. And, and Martha's problem goes beyond her busyness because, you know, I think that even if Martha were to sit at uh, Jesus' feet like Mary was, she would probably be, still be distracted. She'd probably be thinking, I have to do this, now I have to do that. And the reason I know this is because at one point, she tells Jesus what he needs to do. Don't you care, Jesus? Tell her to help me. I mean, I don't know how many times I've done that. Don't you care, Jesus, what's going on right now in my life? Where are you? Just show up already. Like, come and fix this. Fix that person. Don't let that person get away with this. Telling him what to do. (laughs) If we knew better. Align your will with mine. Mary, on the other hand, Mary, on the other hand, she she is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. She is being with him. She's just enjoying intimacy. She's just passionate to learn from what he has to say. She's loving every moment. Attentive and open and, and quiet and taking pleasure in his presence. Um... Matthew 7, 21 through 23. This is a passage that for a long time I had a, I don't know, I just didn't really understand it, so I guess I didn't know how to, what to make of it, and I had a bit of trouble with it. It wasn't until recently where I was, you know, with the help of, of people that are smarter than me and you know Jesus a lot better than me that I was able to understand, oh, okay, that's what he's saying. Uh, Matthew 7, 21, 23. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. That day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See, I read, do the will of my Father, and I think right away it's speaking about doing. Because that's how I understand it. I think it's about works, it's about doing the right thing in order to be known by God. But actually, I want to suggest that it's actually the opposite. Because... These people are all about doing and doing. Can't you see they're, they're all about doing? And yet, they're not known. The truth is that when Jesus says, I never knew you, he meant that there wasn't any knowing going on. There wasn't any relationship that was happening, that was being built. Because for them, it was all about doing. To Jesus, it's all about knowing. It's all about relationship. The centrality of this passage is not the works, but the knowing. The will of the Father who is in heaven is knowing Jesus. 
That's what he's all about. And according to Jesus in this passage, it's, Paul, it's even possible to do mighty works, which is odd to me. But it is. It's, it's possible to do great things and still not know Jesus. Not be in relationship with him. The work comes from the knowing. Not the knowing from the works. A true intimate relationship with Jesus should and will produce naturally a desire to produce good fruit, right? You know, and it comes, yes, in form of works, in forms of, of serving, in form of attitudes, spiritual disciplines. You know, when we're filled with his spirit, then he produces fruit in us. The fruit of love and joy and peace and kindness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruit of the spirit, because we are so intimately connected with him. When we, I'm the, you know, young adult pastor, um, and I have really great leaders who help me do that and point me to Jesus. Um, But when we talk about, when we talk to our community, with our young adult community about who we want to be, what community we want to be, we make sure that Jesus is front and center. We don't want to forget him because it's easy to miss out on him if we're not intentional about this. And I've, I've had many conversations with students about, you know, what was it that drew you to this place, this church, to our community, to our college group, to our post-college? And, and many of the times, I think most of the times, um, their answers are very similar to what drew me. Because they don't really, you know, they don't really say, oh, well, you have a beautiful building. Although we do, but that wasn't what drew them here. They don't say, oh, well, just the music was awesome. Although our worship team is awesome and we like they lead us into worship to Jesus, which is great. But that wasn't what brought our students. You know, it's not the events. So the programs, all those things are great and we do a really good job at that. But that wasn't what drew them here. Time and time again, I hear it was, it was Jesus. I mean, this, this place like talks about Jesus in a way that I hadn't experienced before. It was just unique. It was, he, and he was so present all the time. And this community was following Jesus together and pointing to him. And whenever we were missing him, we were being directed back to him. That's what brought me and made me stay in this community. Now I'm thinking, you know, what if, what if that's what we're known for in our community? Like not just here, but outside, like in this city. And I know that's, that sounds weird because aren't we all supposed to be about Jesus? Like every church, Jesus should be like the focus, the main point. Like everything we do should be about him. Yeah, that's, that's true. But if you go to city, I mean to different churches, sometimes that's not true. Sometimes you can go in and out of church, and Jesus is only mentioned, you know, in the name of Jesus, amen. What if, like, what if everyone who came to this place, every visitor, every guest, or every, you know, member, there was just no way, or even when people had encounters with all of us outside of here, there was just no way to miss Jesus. Because he was so evident. He was so present. He was just so, just, he was there. And it was, it was made evident. Um, 
Jesus talks about, you know, abiding in him, making our home in him, making our life on him, making him our everything. And that takes getting to know Jesus as a person. Getting to know what he's all about. You know, why, why does he say those things? The things that he says. Why does he do the things that he does? What can I learn from, you know, looking at his life? What can I learn from just being with him? Taking the time to do that. Hang out with him. Listen to his voice and learn from his ways. Going about your day and having constant communication with him. Paul, at one point, talks about you know, he says praying, we should be praying without ceasing. And I, and I understand that as this constant communication, constant flow of just like going about your day and speaking to him. Like it doesn't have to end at amen. You just keep talking. You know, and, and we spend so much time in our thoughts, you know, and trying to process our emotions. Like why don't we just talk to Jesus about that? Hey, Jesus, this is what I'm thinking right now. What do you think? This is how I'm feeling right now. How, what do you think about this? How, how can I find you? Asking him to like reveal himself to you, even in the small stuff. Because he's always at work around us. Ask him to reveal how he's at work. And how can you partner with him in what he's doing? Ask him to, to be able to hear his voice. You know, just let me know when you're speaking to me. I like want to be aware of that. Ask him to give you opportunities to even bring him up in conversations you're having with people. People who already know him and then maybe some people who don't know him yet. He'll provide those. Because people don't really want to know about your religion. But they might want to know about someone you know intimately, about a relationship that's just life-giving to you, especially if that relationship is available to them as well. What if you like started talking about Jesus like if you actually knew him, like if he was a person in your life, like what, like I'm, I'm so, I know, captured by this, by this Jesus that like I want you to have him too. I want to share him with you because he's just so great and he's done like so much in my life and like I want you. To know that too. And I, um, I was thinking this morning of my, of my cousin, uh, Lena, and I was just thinking of how, like, she, she lived in that. She was like Mary. She, she was seated at the feet of Jesus. And, um, she lived with this constant awareness everywhere she went. Of Jesus. She knew that he was there with her. And, and she could have been distracted with, you know, dealing with her illness and with her suffering every day and with her pain and with her tiredness. Yet, that didn't draw her away from him. It actually drew him closer, drew her closer to him. And, and her relationship with Jesus was just so strong that it would lead her into living a reality that few people I believe. Few people seek and find and discover. You know, and I, I think that she was able to live her eternal life way before a lot of us are living it. Because she was living it here and now every day. 
even in her pain, even in her struggle, even in her suffering, she, she was just so in love with the person of Jesus. That everyone who had an encounter with her, if you got to meet her, if you had that honor, you knew that. There's no way to miss it. Um, and now she, she gets to hang out with him all the time. And she's, she's whole and she's healed. And she's having a great time with, with him. So I'm just... can like look at her life and, and say that's possible like that's I want that and the beautiful thing about a relationship with Jesus is that it will also lead us into relationship deeper relationships with each other right into deeper community with each other in him we learn to love one another to look out for each other to point to Jesus to his love to his grace to his forgiveness and we, and we, because that's what he did. He brought people around him, and he knew them, and they knew him intimately. And they were real and genuine with one another. And, and that takes vulnerability, and that's really scary for me. It's scary. It's awkward. But wouldn't it be great if people just knew you? Like, if you didn't have to hide anything because people just know who you are and care about you enough and are walking with you when things are really hard. Those are the relationships that our relationship with Jesus lead into. Because it's, it's hard to follow Jesus on our own. We weren't meant to do that. We're meant to do this as a whole, as a community. And I also believe that part of knowing Jesus deeply, you know, we, we start getting to know him better, and then we, our eyes become like his eyes, and we're able to see the things that he sees the ways that he sees them, and in his ears, and we begin to like hear the things that he hears in the ways that he, and like our, our hands become his hands, and we start to do and serve in the ways that he served. I believe that this will produce desire to serve those who he cares about deeply in our community, that we won't be a church who just like keeps Jesus to ourselves here on one you know, Sunday, but that we would actually go and take the goodness of his kingdom everywhere. Like everywhere we go. Jesus is with us. We can share him. We can serve other people just like he does. And we, we don't serve, you know, out of obligation. But he's just been so good and so merciful and so compassionate with us because Martha was serving out of obligation and responsibility. And, and when her expectations of serving weren't being met, then she got upset. And she wanted everyone to like be who she wanted them to be. But that's not, that's not our relationship, what a relationship with Jesus causes. When we serve, it's because he first served us. Because he first gave himself to us. Right? Because we're just so captured by who he is, by his love and his grace and his mercy, that, that our, our response is generally, I, I want to share this with everyone. I want to serve like he serves. I want to give like he gives. And I think that, I think that's the community that he's, he's calling us to be. And I, and I think we're already doing that. Like I said, what drew me, what made me stay here was that Jesus was always the focus. He was always so front and center. There was just like no way. But I feel like we can go even deeper. I feel like we can be 
that church that he's calling us to be. I know that because Jesus is so good and he's so great and he like wants to be the center of it all because it will just, it will just be so much better. Um, that like Mary, we would choose to be with Jesus and all about Jesus. That we wouldn't lose sight of the most important thing, the one thing that really matters. It's him. He's the one that will keep us centered, will keep us grounded, the one that will challenge us, yes, but also make our lives so much more fulfilling, full of purpose and significant than we can ever imagine. That's the Jesus that we serve. That's the Jesus that we follow. And that's the Jesus that's here right now. I'm mean, asking you to respond to his love. So as the worship team comes up and leads us into, into um, um, worship, I invite you to respond to him. Respond to his love, singing to him, letting him know what you, how much you love him and how, much, how gra- grateful you are for his love.